Hi, everyone. We're ending our recent run of bonus episodes with a special Other Men holiday episode for you all today. Our holiday gift to you, so to speak, as we take a break to work on our next season. As we move into season four, we need all the help we can get in keeping this show going. Please consider making a gift in the form of a monthly donation by becoming a patron of the show at patreon.com slash other men. Our donation rates start as low as $2 a month. If you want more access, for as little as 5 bucks a month, you'll get a weekly email with listening links, articles, and stories from me, discounted tickets to live events, and a bonus episode each season. Current patrons are getting a 2.0 of today's holiday episode in their private Patreon feed. That's all yours, too, when you sign up at patreon.com slash other men need help. That's patreon.com slash other men need help. In the meantime, enjoy this episode and happy holidays. That goes for whatever holiday is closest from when you decide to listen to this. How you doing? Good to talk to you, man. I don't know the last time I've seen you. This is my friend Clarence. He's a recent dad. His son Theodore, who I haven't met yet, is 14 months old. He can say three words. Mom. He calls out football. He doesn't say dad yet, but he can say cat. We have a stray cat in our backyard that we feed. And uh, he's always saying cat, cat, cat. I couldn't ask for a better baby. Did you guys have gifts for him last holiday? The problem is the last Christmas, he was too young, mainly clothes and toys. But this year, Clarence has other gift options for Theodore. And I was wondering what gifts were important for Clarence from when he was younger. What's the first Christmas gift you got that made you feel like a man? Timberlands was like a popular boots growing up in the 90s. Das Effects, Wu-Tang, and Jay-Z. You know, back then, the attire was Arm Fatigue and Tim's. My mom bought me a pair of Tim's, my first pair of Tim's in high school for Christmas. And also an Army Fatigue suit. I remember going to school with my outfit on, and I remember getting looks from girls and all of that. Do you remember your response when you saw what your mom gave you? I was very happy, man. I always wanted a pair of tents. <laughs> My mom's old school Caribbean, so, uh, you know, she, she came here as an immigrant. So ex- buying something expensive, she don't believe in that kind of thing, you know. But I guess she felt like I deserved it at the time. I mean, I was a pretty good kid. Because up to this day, I still wear my tins. <laughs> it's a Brooklyn thing. <laughs> For someone like Clarence, who received these boots a gift that became part of his identity as he got older, would that same thing get passed on to his son, Theodore? Does he have a pair of Thames? Actually, that was his first pair of sneakers. When we did our maternity photo shoot, in the photo shoot was a a baby pair of Thames. That's crazy. It was an army outfit and a pair of Thames. That was his first outfit. The apple does not fall far from the tree. (laughs) Has he already outgrown that stuff? Yes, he's outgrown it. 
And the thing about babies, I didn't know they grow so fast. Like every month he grows a new shoe size. So you buy a pair of shoes and then it doesn't fit him the next month. So you're continuously spending money on clothes. <laughs> it's crazy. Welcome to your new world, my friend. I'm Mark Pagan, and this is Other Men Need Tim's. This holiday season, I had a new gift-giving experience. My nephew had just turned 16, which felt like a significant marker, and I wanted to get him something to carry on into adulthood. In the past, I'd bought him presents that he had asked for. The difference in this year's gift was that this was a present he did not ask for. It was a present I was designating as important. And that coming-of-age marker was a monogrammed toiletry bag. And I wrestled with this decision. I wasn't wrestling with whether or not he'd be impressed with it. I doubt many 16-year-olds would be psyched about some fancy bag that's supposed to carry your toothbrush. What was bothering me were the memories of all the style blogs and men's magazine newsletters that catapult into my inbox every holiday season, announcing the same six or so items for the man in your life. It's like whiskey, a boutique weapon for the outdoors, a watch that was in a James Bond movie, an article of clothing like an obscenely priced beanie, beard oils that smell like Canadian lumber, and man-on-the-go leather items of some kind. And every year, I make fun of how reductive these gift-giving guides are, basically reducing the wide, beautiful spectrum of masculine identity down to either wanting to be like 007 or an extra in The Revenant. Every year, except this year. Because there, slapping me in my beard-oiled face, was the -the man-on-the-go leather item I designated was important to my nephew's future as an adult male. A young person who I cared deeply about and who I never want to prescribe an identity that isn't his. And I don't know how many other people have had this impulse to mark the holidays with gendered gift-giving. Maybe more importantly... What happens when you're the one on the receiving end? And as one does, or if you're me, you start making some calls. I was in my freshman year of college and also was the first time in my life where I had two Christmases. For Liam, there was one Christmas where he got a you're a man now gift that he really didn't want. My parents separated the day after I graduated high school. So like on the Christmas day, I think we spent with my mom. And then the day after Christmas, the 26th, we spent with my dad. I All I want for Christmas is like a PlayStation. Like that's all I wanted. I wanted like a PlayStation too. But in, he proceeds to hand me these boxes and they're all like suits that he would wear. Shirts, pants, belts, shoes, 
ties that like I would never wear. And I'm opening them and I'm like, I'm 18. I go to college. I'm like not in love with my body right now. That was like a low point about like mental health wise when it comes to like what I looked like physically. And I mean, you just like gained a ton of weight, went to college. Like my parents had gotten divorced. Stress eating. I was big and I did not feel good about myself. And to get these clothes that like, I don't know if they accentuate it, but they definitely draw, like I did not want attention drawn to the way that I dressed or looked at that point in my life at all. And I think he could sense my like dissatisfaction, not dissatisfaction, like, you know how like you're raised to, even if you don't like something, say thank you, right? But it was all just so weird because it was like this heartbreaking Christmas with my dad who like doesn't know how to put a Christmas together and my siblings. And like I'm opening these clothes that I'm never going to wear. Even though that Christmas wasn't the brightest one for Liam, there's still an unexpectedly positive association with his dad's gift. As much as I sort of like tell you this story about how like my dad's way of dressing is not how I would dress, I think he imparted a sense of like clothing is important and what you wear is important. The strongest memory I have of my dad is in those like great New England East Coast flannel overshirts, like the ones with the real patterns that like he would wear everywhere in the winter than he wasn't at work. And like the layering thing and the like desire to like put on layers and like be bundled up, whatever, like I 100% get from him. Do you remember any gifts after that that your dad got you? PlayStation 2 the following year. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, the following year. He, I think it was the following year. It would have been bought me a PlayStation 2 because I basically was like, this is what I want. So clothes as gifts can be tricky. Suits, even trickier. Unless that suit is coming from the right person. I grew up in a family that we did not celebrate Christian holidays. This is Sheba. I remember coming out the day after Christmas and seeing kids with whatever, everyone, all the kids had something. Sheba says she was a street kid from the ages of 11 to 18. She didn't have holiday traditions, didn't get gifts, didn't really have much. And in the late 70s, early 80s, she looked for some of these holiday traditions with new friends in her lower Manhattan scene. Got a job at a nightclub and I started washing dishes. There was a couple of people of color in the neighborhood. And one guy in particular, Jean-Michel Basquiat, I didn't know who he was. I, I didn't care who he was. But he was the guy I would see in the neighborhood, the only Black guy, one of the only Black guys. So we became really close. That's what I'm trying to say. But Jean, you know, he was just beginning to uh, see the fruits of his labor as an artist. And I remember the way I used to dress back then, you know, just jeans and sneakers. Because I didn't know any better. I was a street kid. After years of observing gifts as a kid, Sheba experienced a series of unexpected presents from the king of the downtown art scene. He gave me a button-down shirt. I never had a button-down shirt in my life. And I was so, it was, I acted, I know I was excited, but I was cool. It's like, why are you giving me this shirt, man? A couple of days later, he took me shopping and he bought me my first suit. You got your first suit from Jean-Michel Basquiat? That's wild. 
Not only that, Basquiat invited Sheba to join in a photo shoot with him, both of them dressed in suits. And Sheba was still trying to figure out how to make the new threads work for her. Something about the suit, it was nice, but it was bringing me too much attention. And during the photo shoot, I remember just ripping the arm of this suit. But I was uncomfortable, and that was my reaction. But John ripped his, his armor on his suit, too. I believe he was protecting me on some level. Rock and roll older brother. That's what I'm going to call Basquiat from now on. I used to fantasize about gifts coming from older brothers when I was a teenager. Not suits, but like rites of passage gifts. Like, here's a bottle of Seagram's or tickets to Motley Crue. I didn't even listen to Motley Crue. I just wanted to be invited. Never happened, but I would subscribe to the Rock and Roll Older Brother newsletter. There is, however, another holiday tradition not covered in any newsletter. The trying to make your parents happy gift. I had a little bit of money, and I was a good boy, so of course I wanted to buy presents for my parents. Write that down. He was a good boy. This is Kevin, good father and good boy. I didn't understand the needs of the adult world or what my parents might actually enjoy. I took what little money I had, and I pieced together what I knew, and my dad shaved. I was able to go into town, walk down to Main Street, and go to a couple of shops where I could, you know, bring the few dollars I had or the dollars I'd saved from, I don't know, mowing lawns or um, allowance. I got my mom some kind of a stupid makeup case type thing, and I thought for my dad, well, he shaves, so I will get him aftershave. That seems very manly, uniquely masculine, practical something he can use every day. I went into the shop and uh, I was introduced to the world of men's aftershave. Not cologne, but aftershave. And that they came in different shapes, like the shape of a car. One of them had rope around it because it was like a cowboy themed. So all of these were coded to be like manly and masculine in particular ways. If you had to describe what they smelled like, they smelled cheap because they were cheap because a kid was buying it in a Main Street store that sold like candy and odds and ends and knickknacks and flashlights. It was not like a men's department store. So for years, I was giving my dad these terrible aftershaves and I didn't, it didn't register with me to pay attention to whether or not he liked them because he wasn't very expressive. He certainly didn't express any like real joy over it. But I was like, okay, that's done. Moving on. What did I get? This went on for a few years and I didn't give it much thought. And then the first time I, maybe I was 16 or 17, I guess by that point I'd started shaving. I had a, a cylinder under the tree. It was poorly wrapped, which right there, Dead giveaway who wrapped it, right? I opened it and it was a column, like a Roman architectural column, glass with a screw on top and then the weighted bottom. And it was it was filled with like this piss yellow liquid. And it smelled absolutely horrible. And it was just this cheap, terrible aftershave. And we didn't talk about it. 
We didn't say anything. Nothing else needed to be said. The gift said it all. It was, how do you like it? Huh? How do you like it? And I, I realized all these years my dad never liked any of the aftershave I gave him. And now he was spitting it back in my face, giving it to me. Now I was old enough to shave, see what I thought of it. And uh, we never talked about it. I, I'm pretty sure he he laughed or he chuckled when I opened it. And it's it's one of these things where <laughs> I think it's really cruel and messed up to give that to a kid. And again, I probably would have been 16 or 17, so you can argue I'm not a kid. The kid gloves are off, right? That's how you know you're a man because you must be a man because you're not a child anymore because your dad gives you insulting, passive-aggressive gifts. And I associate that with the way men joke around with each other, with like a cruelty and an, an insulting, barbed roasting of male jokes that I've never been comfortable with. And to this day, I'm still really not. And I don't know how to talk to other men that way. With your kids, do you have a memory of receiving something and offering the grace of like, this is a crappy gift, but I'm going to see your intention here. I cannot think of a single time I had to fake it with my kids. I'm not saying there weren't any. I just, they did not leave a strong memory. And if there was something I didn't like, I do not think I would retaliate years later. <laughs> that is not my style. I have two boys. I would never do that to them. I would like to think I would never do that to them. So to me, it was like a weird messed up gift that my father gave me that in, in hindsight is kind of funny. I have to admit, it is kind of funny. Check back with me in a couple of years. It is so difficult to try and figure out something to get him that's not a drill or something for the grill. Ryan's never suffered retaliation because of his gift-giving choices, but he's also had a tough time getting stuff for his dad. He's always like, oh, I don't need anything. I just need you guys. For me, it's always been special in that it is a time to get together as a family. This is Tony, Ryan's dad. One of the special bonding traditions they have is football. In El Paso, every year they have the Sun Bowl, and it's always around the Christmas season. And since I was a little boy, I've been going almost every year to that Sun Bowl game with my dad. So my dad's a big sports junkie. I think that's where I get it. I think that's why Ryan gets it. We just love sports. Ryan had a different impression of the Sun Bowl games growing up. I guess I didn't really see the magic in it as much as my dad did, because for me, it was always cold. And I couldn't feel my toes or I couldn't feel my fingers. And growing up, I started to kind of get away from that. I started to realize, oh, you know what? It's kind of fun when we go and we're able to watch football and hang out with the family and get our burritos from our favorite Mexican restaurant every single time we go. For Tony, there's something almost spiritual about going to these games. And it's related to the last game his uncle attended. So when we first started attending the games, it used to be my dad on one side and my uncle on the other side. And I remember one year we went together, uh, I was eight, and he gave me, this, it was this little 
disc that was kind of kind of like a coin and it had the number eight on it because I was eight. So he gave that to me. And I remember sitting at the game, just enjoying the fact that I was there with my dad and my uncle. And then later, about two months later, he passed away in cards. And at that point, I realized that those events were very special. Because the time you have with your family is never guaranteed. Because it's it's something that, you know, life is so short and and as we get older, we separate and we don't get that that time together. And and now that I look back on my life, I have a lot of events where where it was just me and Ryan, whether it was mountain biking or backpacking or camping, um, those events were special. So for me, that's the best gift that they can give me, is just giving me a little bit of their time. There are lists every holiday season called Gifts for the Guy Who Doesn't Want Anything, which I'd love for Tony to take a crack at writing. But there are folks who just don't want a physical gift. And then there are others who really don't want to give gifts. And not just because it can be a hassle. Like Yael. I am not that into giving gifts. I am much more committed to every day being as nice as I fucking possibly can, even if I'm stressed out, exhausted, taking out the garbage, making breakfast, running on a conference call, and still being patient with Nathan and feeding the two guinea pigs, than like getting him a gift because I'm supposed to. And for the holidays, we do the same thing. Like I do this kind of big uh, Hanukkah latka bash where I like run to Trader Joe's, get like, I basically have like taken sometimes every last frozen latka they have. And we invite all of our friends, Jewish or non-Jewish, and we have a blast and everyone eats me out of house and home. For Yael, the gift that she gives is a shift in holiday traditions. They are still patriarchal. I became a single mother and I have a son. And so many times I was at the head of the table by default. And I'm the one that will say all the blessings that the male would normally do in the house because there isn't one. And it's interesting to see Nathan at times observing me. And the truth is, you know, I have no idea what's actually going through his cellular memory, but there's no question that Whatever he decides to do, whatever the kind of person he ends up being, he will have had the lens, right, of the mom in that position as well, right? Shouldering both roles. Every year, Yael gives her son new masculine holiday traditions. And maybe these kinds of traditions can carry on from generation to generation. But sometimes those traditions change tragically. And you have to find new ways to come up with the gift in it. No one knows this more than Carl. My brother died a week before Thanksgiving. And then my dad died. So it was like November 18th, December 12th. So holidays were ruined. (laughs) Like completely. Like there's no happiness here. I was done with the holidays. I really was like. I was like, this is the saddest time in my life, as it is from sure a lot of people. But, you know, as fate would have it, 
we find out that we're expecting the baby in January. So that next set of holidays were our first with our with our son. And so there's a lot of like healing through him. Cause he was like the next thing that brought happiness into my, you know what I mean? He kind of like regrounded me. So my son that I named David is named after my older brother, David. How soon did you decide to name your son David? Oh, immediately. It was like, we're pregnant. Okay. If it's a boy, his name's David. That's it. That's it. David Carl. So, so he's got uncle's name and grandpa's name. Is it the first one? You don't know if you're going to have another one. <laughs> like, I could just spread the wealth. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> got to put it all out there. Yeah, put it out. So with naming your son, David, honoring your brother and your father, is that sort of a, an honorary gift? Would you see it that way? Yeah. I'm saying to my son, like, these are the guys I love the most in the world. And that's you. And I'm keeping their names going in the family and being like, anytime you talk about my son, you have to say my brother's name. So my brother's always around. There is one tradition that Carl has kept with his growing family. In the house, during the month of December, Carl's dad is heard, so to speak. My dad loved Christmas like nobody loves Christmas. He has the Christmas album and during Christmas season, he's just playing the album all day. So like our house is like the mall, like where just Christmas music is playing all day long. My wife jokes with me that she's like, we already heard this. I was like, yeah, but it's only like three times so far. I mean, it's only like noon at this point, 12 days of Christmas. Like it's going, like it's going hard because it's the only time we get to do it. Clarence, who you heard at the beginning of this episode, has also invested in holiday music. Now that he has Theodore, something that might be a gift for both father and son. Before having a kid, the holidays to me was a day off. You know what I mean? To me, it was just like another day off just to hang out with my family. I really didn't value it like how I did as a child. Because I feel like Children enjoy the holidays more than the adults, you know. But I realized last year, because he was only like three months when, around Christmas time, I remember singing the Christmas carols with him every night. Every night um, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I would, I would put him to sleep by singing him Christmas carols. And it was a, such a beautiful thing, man. And um, I'm glad I'm glad I have a child because it's putting me back in that spirit. How long had it been since you even sung a Christmas carol? I would have to say the last time I sang a Christmas carol was probably when I was a child, you know, prior to Theo. It's a beautiful thing when you have children and you get to relive your childhood. I'm not a father yet, but even thinking about a masculine holiday gift to give someone younger than me, there's a feeling of pride that I wasn't expecting. I tend to bump on that feeling because I often wonder where pride versus ego shows up for me as a man, for all of us as men. 
Are we giving gifts to our kids, nibblings, grandkids, and younger siblings because they inform our own personal mythology? Or are we buying the James Bond watches, cheap cologne, Timberland boots, and toiletry bags as a way of saying, I'm proud that I have a way to honor and connect with you? That there is the gift-giving pride I'm after. And with all the options we take, from gifting toiletry bags to singing Christmas carols with your newborns, I suspect a lot of you are after that, too. Give my love to everybody in the house, even though I haven't met Theo. He's right here. (laughs) Goodbye, Theo. Goodbye. Say something. Goodbye. And there you go. Okay. <laughs> He's waving. Uh, oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, Mark. Well, thanks, man. I will talk to you soon. All right, man. Later. All right, see you what. Bye. Other Men Need Help is executive produced, hosted, and written by me, Mark Pagan. Caitlin May Burke, Ben Goldberg, and Rebecca Seidel are our lead producers. Navani Otero is our producer. And our associate producers are Sierra Franco and Shanice Tendel. Rebecca is our lead engineer. Ben is our lead editor. Original music comes from Fulton Street Music Group, composed by Ed Duran and produced by Alex Fulton. Additional instrumentation comes from Ryan Chamberlain and Liam Moore. Illustration for this episode done by the talented hands of Carmela Calda. Special thanks to our gift-giving story posse, Liam, Sheba, Kevin, Tony, Ryan, Carl, Bruce, and Clarence. If you've been inspired to give a gift this season, consider the gift of becoming an Other Men Need Help patron. We are able to make this show with your support. Five bucks a month will get you a bonus episode every season. You have these weekly messages with recommendations for listens and articles about masculinity and all kinds of stuff that come from me, discounts to our live events, and other fun stuff. Come join us, be a part of the family. Sign up at patreon.com slash othermenneedhelp. That's patreon.com slash other men need help. We're now going to take a break from these bonus episodes to finish up season four, but we'll be back in 2022 with new stories, surprises, news, all kinds of stuff. Just hang in there. We're going to come back, say hi. Oh my God, it's going to be wild. We'll, We'll be back soon. And until next time. Let's do this, um, let me do this in a Santa style. All right, let's try this. Oh, adios! Ho, ho, ho! Bye! Mary's boy child, Jesus Christ. That, That joint slaps. This Christmas has to play. Temptation, Silent Night. Non-negotiable. Merry Christmas, baby. Otis Redding. That's another one that I have to hear every season now. Otis Redding, White Christmas. There's a really funny part.
because you know the part was like may your days be healthy and bright he like breaks it down in such a way it sounds like he's saying mayonnaise he was like mayonnaise mayonnaise be healthy you know what i mean that <laughs> i'm like <laughs> and i used to say i used to like do the mayonnaise that for my wife she's like what are you talking about and then she was watching love actually and it plays in love actually in the background and she just starts like cackling out of nowhere she's like oh i get it 